Our uh, reading today comes out of Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. It says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Here ends the reading. Good morning. My name is uh, Jacob Mack. The folks around here call me J-Mack if you're visiting with us. Man, uh, so excited that you're here. Um, And uh, when I was in seventh grade... I had the desire, and I defined myself by what I thought uh, the Lord was going to have me do. In seventh grade, much like many seventh graders, I thought, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, I was going to be an NFL football player. Why are you laughing? And so, I mean, I watched games every Sunday. I knew players. I knew stats. I would, like, write weird plays in my notebook when I wasn't taking notes in class. I mean, I thought, without a shadow of a doubt, this is what God is calling me to do. This is what I'm going to do. And so I defined myself by that time and time again. The problem was I never really played the sport. We'd play in groups and things like that, but I never played organized, and I I never uh, put on the pads or wore the helmet or anything like that. Like, we just played in groups. But for for no, absolutely, I'm positively sure I'm going to be an NFL football player. Well, one day during PE, we were playing, and we had a coach who, uh, she was pregnant, and uh, the next period after us was her off period. And so basically, she would kind of cash in, like, when we got there, and she'd be like, just do what you want. And so every day, we would play football. We'd be out on the field, running back and forth. And so on this particular day, I had my one shot, right? This is going to be the make or break moment of my NFL football career. And so we're out there, and it's been a long game. And we've gone back and forth, and they've scored, and we've scored. And it's been super exciting and fun. And then Coach blew her whistle, and that meant one last play. And so we huddle up or whatever, and Bobby Kaskrin, our quarterback, looked around. And he said, all right, here's going to be the play. J-Mac, we're going to you. And I thought, wait, what? <laughs> Time out. To me? Because on our team, we had uh, Kyle Eastham, who was the fastest kid in our school. We had Yuri Gilchrist, who was uh, 6'2 in the seventh grade. And we had TJ Goff, who literally could not be tackled by any human being. All right? And so I'm like, you want to go to me? And he's like, yeah. He goes, they'll never see it coming. I'm like, all right, fair enough, right? All right. So, so we huddle up or whatever, and he's like, all right, here we go. Down, set, hike, and he drops back. And I took off like a bat out of you know where. All right, so it was more like like a polar bear waking up from like hibernation. But I mean, I ran as fast as I could, right? And so I'm running, I'm running, running down the sideline. And you know in sports movies when like it slows down and they throw the pass and it's in slow motion? I swear this happened, right? 
I'm looking above me and the ball is spiraling and I'm like, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. And I look ahead of me and there's no one there. If I catch it, it's a surefire touchdown. And I keep running and running and running. And out of the corner of my eye, I see something in turn. And uh, the soccer goal that we had moved off the field uh, found my face. (laughs) Oh, is right. (laughs) It hurt. To add insult to injury, I had misjudged the ball completely. And it was probably 15 yards away from me. Uh, and the opposite team intercepted it and returned it for a touchdown. No NFL for J-Mac, right? So, uh, and so, uh, but that's the interesting thing is how we define ourselves is not only in certain things, but when we are misguided in how we define ourselves, it impacts the rest of our lives. We're starting a series today called This Is Us. And our goal in it and our thought in it is, hey, we want to be a family. And so, Advent, we believe that we're not just a church that you come to, you're a family that you belong to. And so, we're going to take the next few weeks to kind of sift through the Bible and look to see what it would say about our spiritual family. Now, our hope is that with the principles and with the things that the Bible teaches, that you'd be able to take them and apply them into your nuclear family. But above all, what we want to say is, hey, there are important roles, important people, important figures in our spiritual family, and we want to find those. But before you can define yourself as a mom, before you can define yourself as a dad, before you can find yourself as a grandma or grandpa, before you can define yourself as cousin, before you can define yourself as aunt or uncle, you have to look individually at yourself. You can't be mom until you realize who you are. You can't be son until you realize who you are. And so this is a major impact not only in your families in the physical sense, but in our spiritual family as well, because you are the one who talks to yourself more than anybody. You know yourself better than anybody, right? You know what makes you tick. You know what ticks you off. You know the things that you get excited about. You know the things that make you angry. You know, areas where you think things are great, areas where things aren't great. Like, you are the one who's in your head time and time again. And so if we have trouble defining ourselves and seeing ourselves as individuals, it becomes increasingly difficult to find ourselves and our specific role in a spiritual family. Because here's what happens. When you are about yourself, when you think about it, at the root level, what ends up happening is, as an individual, I'm very, very focused on myself. Some of you are like, no, not me. I think about, I always think about others. All right, that's great. At a root level, the reason you always think about others is because there's something in you that says, I need to fill a void of thinking about others, and so I need to make sure that I'm doing that because there's something in me that says that I need to do that. So at a root gut level, our focus is always on ourselves. No, 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 I'm all about providing for my kids. All right, wonderful. There's something in you that says, hey, I need to be a provider. I need to be something because I need to fill this bubble of provider in me. And so at a root gut level, we are all kind of focused on self. Does that make sense? Would most of you agree with that? All right, if you don't agree with that, you can email Pastor Andy. He'd be happy to talk to you about it all week long. He's got nothing better to do. At a root level, at a gut level, I mean, we are all about ourselves. And here's why that becomes an issue. 
becomes an issue when I'm about myself because when conflict arises or when I'm faced with certain pressures, there are two options that happen. One, you either own your stuff and you say, yep, I am those things. I know where I'm messy. I know where I'm broken. And you beat yourself up about it because you continually go to those things and say, this is what I am. I'm just a jerk. I'm just this. I'm just caught in this sin. I can't do anything. I need to make sure I clean myself up before I go to God. I need to make sure that I, God couldn't possibly love me because I know who I am. I know what I'm doing. You're either that or you're the opposite where you haven't got your way and instead of owning your stuff, it's somebody else's fault and somebody else's problem time and time again. And so when stuff doesn't go my way, if I'm in this category, if I'm on this side of the spectrum, what I do is I wag my finger and say, it's not my fault this is happening, this is God's fault. He's doing this to me, he's the one, this is his fault, this is his problem, this, that, and the other. And so you get really, really caught up in these things, especially when the focus is on you. Your behaviors change. And when I'm behavior-driven, when I'm focused on myself, I become very behavior-driven. I'm driven by what my behavior thinks I should be doing or what I think I need to do to clean myself up and to fix myself up before I go to God. The problem is this. Loving Jesus isn't about changing behavior. It's all about changing focus. It's not about changing our behavior for him. The Lord is not asking us to wipe our shoulders, to clean ourselves up, to come fully healed, fully ready, in perfect condition. He's asking us to come as we are, where we are, with whatever condition our heart is in, and turn to him and say, Lord, I need you. And so the Apostle Paul is not only going to dive into that, but Paul is going to help us define focus and define what Jesus says about us. Because when we finally realize that the focus shouldn't be on us and we turn our focus to Jesus, we find the things that he says about us are true. And when we live in those things, we live in the freedom that he offers. And so Colossians chapter 3, here we go. Starting in verse 1, it says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so Paul starts off and he says, hey, do you know who you are? Like, do you know who you are? He just started off and he said, since then you have been raised with Christ. You are now hidden with Christ. Literally what he says is that old self, that old self-centered, focused, I'm on my own mind, I'm in my own head, that goes away, that dies. He says, that died with Christ. When Jesus looked at you, he said, I'm dying for you. You don't have to live in that anymore. You don't have to let that hold on to you. Instead, embrace my death, my resurrection. Love me. Grow with me. Let me define you. He looks at us and Paul says, hey, guys, this is who you are now. You aren't the things that you would define yourself as. 
You aren't the bad person. You aren't that, that broken whatever. Who you are is risen with Christ. It literally says you are hidden with Christ. That means when Jesus looks at you, when Jesus looks at you, he sees himself. It's like him looking in a mirror when he died and was raised to life. You were dead and now you are raised to life when you cling to Jesus. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful thing where your behavior can't define you because Jesus already has. Like, you aren't the things, you aren't the mistakes, you aren't the thing that you struggle with, you aren't the thing that holds on to you, you aren't the thing that's broken. Those are things that you struggle with, but that's not who you are. Who you are is risen, who you are is worthy, who you are is loved by the creator of the universe, who you are is God's own. And so your behavior can't define you. You aren't that. But who you are is his. Jesus has already defined you. He's already looked at you and said, worthy. And even before you knew it, even before you would have acknowledged it, he looked at you and said, worthy. I'm going to go to a cross. I'm going to die for you. Worthy. And so the perfectly human thing to do, though, is to cling to the broken parts. Right? You can get 100 comments from somebody, and 99 of them can be great, and you'll only remember the one that was negative. That's a human nature thing. And so we cling to those one thing. We cling to that behavior or that thing. And Jesus is looking at us and saying, I'm not defining you as that. You are hidden with me. You are mine. You look like me. I love this in verse 3. It says, for you died. I mean, that part is dead. It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. It's buried in the grave. It's laid at the cross of Christ. For you died. It's gone. It can't hold you anymore. It can't pull you back anymore. It's done. Your life is now hidden with Christ. So the first thing we do in changing focus is to understand that our past and our behavior can't define us because Jesus already has. And what Jesus says is, hidden with me. The text continues in verse 5. It says this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the ways you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. I love that Paul never uh, minces words. Like what he says, he, he just is going to come out and say it. And so what he's doing here is you have to understand that the church in Colossae, they were really, really struggling with something. Their biggest thought was, hey, I can have my cake and I get to eat it too. Right? Jesus is so good. He died for my sins. That's awesome. What I'm going to continue to do is choose the sins that I want to do because grace is great. And I'm just going to continue to live and live how I want to live and do what I want to do and be whatever I think I, whatever fills me up, whatever feels good. I'm just going to do it because it can't be wrong if it feels good and I'm going to have Jesus too. Paul says, no, 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 that ideal, that thought, that mind thing that you've just said died. 
It is your old nature. Leave it where it is. And so what Paul would say is focusing on Jesus means killing what is dead. And when you look at the things that were just listed, how many of us in this room, by a show of hands, would want to be remembered for being uh, lust-filled, anger, malicious, uh, greedy idolaters? That's what I thought. Because those things don't breathe life. And nobody wants to be remembered for being those things. So Paul says, man, put those to death. He doesn't say, hey, try not to do them. He literally says, kill them where they are. Leave those things where death is. And so all of you are saying, yeah, but J-Mac, that's changing your behavior. All right, well, smarty pants. There is a difference in changing behavior and behavior modification to earn salvation and changing behavior because Christ is doing something in you that you can't help but change. Right? There's a difference between me saying, I need to fix myself up, I need to be on good behavior, I need to earn my way because if I earn my way, God will love me more. And a difference from saying, man, I know I'm a screw-up, I know where my struggles are, Lord, I need a Savior. And seeing Jesus mold and shape you from the beginning. How many of you in this room, when you look at your life, would say that you want to be where you were 10 years ago? Right? Because here's the deal. The Lord moves us in such a way that we're not tied to those things. Man, I am not where I was at 20 years old. I'm not where I want to be. But I'm not where I was at 20 years old. I'm not where I was at 15 years old. I'm not where I was at 10 years old. Like, it changes but it means killing what's already dead. Killing things that don't breathe life, but, but suck the life out of you. He kind of wraps it up with this. He says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And you've now put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is in all and Christ is all. And so there's this thing that happens where Paul says, hey, guess what? The things that are dead are dead. Jesus has defined you. You leave what was dead to be dead. You leave that there. Don't let that hold you anymore. And instead, you embark on this beautiful process of focus changing. And focus, changing your focus, it's a beautiful process. When God looks at us, when he looks at who we are, this is what he says in here. Hey, um, You have taken off your old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed. Here's what that means. Hey, you have taken off. Have taken off. That means it is gone where it used to be. Like, you have taken it off. You don't put on clothes that don't fit you anymore. Well, you shouldn't. That's another sermon. All right, so you don't put things on that aren't fitting anymore. Like, you leave that there. You have taken that old nature off. You have taken that old thing off. It stays where it was. And instead, what you get is this. You get to put on the new self, which is being. So, the one-time thing when you take it off, it doesn't hold you anymore. It doesn't cling to you anymore. It's gone. And instead, you are being renewed. 
Our being, present tense, future ramifications, our being, it's a process, it's something that's happening day in and day out, and when we cling to the cross of Christ, and when we cling to Jesus, he's molding and shaping us, not only into something that he wants us to be, but actually into the image of himself. When you see Jesus face to face, when you face him on your dying day, man, the most beautiful thing that Jesus could say to you is, you look like me. I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. And so what Jesus says about you, what he says about us is, you are mine, you are dead to your old self, you are mine now, and I'm renewing you. You are a duck. You already look like one, right? And if you look like a duck, if you walk like a duck, if you talk like a duck, and if you act like a duck, what are you? You're a duck, right? And Jesus is saying, you already look like me since you've been raised and you are hidden with me. And now that I'm renewing you day in and day out, now that you've left your old self and I'm renewing you, I'm teaching you what it means day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, second by second, molding and shaping you into how to act like a duck, how to walk like a duck, how to talk like a duck. Minute by minute, hour by hour, we are being molded and shaped into the image of Christ when we cling to him. Man, what a beautiful, beautiful thing. We are not that old thing. We are not the behaviors that we've made. We are not the angry, lust-filled idolater anymore. We're not filled with those things, the things that you may have been telling yourself or the things that you may have defined yourself because of a past thing that doesn't hold you anymore. Instead, you are freed, redeemed, worthy, and beautiful. And Jesus says, I've already hidden you with me. You already look like me. Now let's walk together Lean into me when you are broken. Lean into me when things aren't going well. Lean into me. Do your business, whatever you have to do. But look to me. Focus on me. And what an incredible image. What a beautiful thing. Where it's not behavior modification... And it's not a rewards system based on what we do. It's already done. It's already what he did for us. By grace, you already look like Jesus, so stop trying to look like him by your own power. How many of you, by a show of hands, have done enough work in your life and you've done enough things by yourself with your own hands that you look like Jesus right now? Yep, (laughs) me neither. Because you can't do it by your power. Man, everything that I do, every good deed, every positive thing that I would send into the air, those are really, really nice things. But if they are not clothed in the banner of the gospel, if they aren't marked for Jesus, then at some level they become selfish again. Stop trying to make yourself look like Jesus. Let him do the work. Man, let him be the one to take and mold you. You just trust him. Come as you are. Come broken. Come hurting. Come just jacked up and messy. And let him do the work in you. Because when we do that, our focus changes. So 
So I don't know, you may be a little rough around the edges. You may think, well, why, why would he possibly love me? And what, what did he possibly do to, to love me? And that's where Jesus wants you. He doesn't want you to clean yourself up and have a better version of you. He wants you where you're at. And what a beautiful picture it is that our confirmants today, our kids in confirmation are saying, hey, I know I'm not where I need to be. I know that I have a life in front of me. I know that there's just a large thing that I have to do. I know that there's so much ahead of me, but I'm sticking my flag in the ground today. And I'm saying I want Jesus and I want to watch him do things for me and through me the rest of my life. How are you defining yourself? I mean, what are you doing to define yourself? My biggest prayer is that we would see ourselves as Jesus sees us. Do you know how he sees us? He says, you're a son or a daughter. He says, you're a worthy one. You're a beautiful masterpiece. You're a token of grace. You are lovable. You are majestic. You are worth dying for. You are his own. When our identity is in those things, when our identity is in the things that Jesus actually says about us, man, the impact kingdom-wide that can happen as a result of that is mind-blowing. When I'm not stuck holding on to the past, when I'm not stuck grasping at things that used to be, when I throw those things off and I'm defined by Jesus and Jesus is saying, my, my son, man, my beloved. And what a beautiful, beautiful thing that we get to sit in. You want to talk about family impact. Not only spiritual but nuclear as well. You want to talk about family impact? And when your focus is on Jesus, you naturally are a better dad. When your focus is on Jesus, you are naturally a better husband. When your focus is on Jesus, you are naturally a better mother. When your focus is on Jesus, you are naturally a better wife. When your focus is on Jesus, you are naturally a better grandparent. I'm not saying you're a bad one right now. That's not the point. But what I'm saying is when our focus is on Jesus, when he defines us, and when we sit in the things that are true about us, man, what a bigger, bigger impact we can have. And so I would beg you to stop defining yourself by the things that have hindered you, to stop defining yourself by a struggle you may have, to stop defining yourself by something that has just kind of stuck to you for a long time and instead throw that thing off, battle against it, war against it, lean into Jesus and watch him work and rest in what he says about you. Let's pray. Jesus, um, God, it's, and what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing the gospel is. What a beautiful thing it is to know, man, that we are not who we say we are. Lord, we're oftentimes our harshest critic. We're oftentimes our, our, our biggest enemy. And God, you look at us and you've defined us already. And so, Lord, help us embrace that. Help our eyes to be fixed to you. God, let us know that it's by your work 
that we become who you want us to be. We love you. It's in your holy, holy name we pray. Amen.